Welcome to a Healing Peace Podcast. My name is Kimir Baker. I am an overcomer, writer, speaker, and God enthusiast. I am fueled by helping women achieve their emotional healing so that they can live the abundant life God has for them. In this podcast series, we provide faith-based inspiration to men from emotional hurt along with tools and tips for emotional wellness. In your journey, as you apply these tools and tips, you will begin to live the transformed life that you always desire. In fact, you will possess a new you. Nice to have you back. I so hope you listened to our previous podcast where we discussed Psalm 139, Ezekiel 16, Lamentations, Psalm 27. If you have not listened, please go back because they build on what we're going to talk about today. As I mentioned before, these scriptures were instrumental for me as I connect with God during my healing journey. I also made the statement about meditating on God's word and his impact on our well-being. In fact, when I was interviewed by Keisha Simone, she too made the statement, you know, I don't even know how to meditate. Well, I have a treat for you. I am joined today by my friend, Jenny Solis, who teaches yoga and biblical meditation. She is here with us, is going to teach us some good things. And you know what? I know I like to talk, but sometimes people have more insight than I do. And I figured it would be best to learn from a specialist. She's going to fill in some gaps, and we're going to have a great conversation today. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kamir. It's uh, great to be here. Well, I know you, but... They don't know you. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, Like Kamir said, my name is Jenny Solis, and I am a wellness entrepreneur teaching meditation, yoga, aerial yoga, and Pilates. And I also certify future yoga and aerial yoga teachers. But more importantly, I became a Christian in 1994, and I've been married to my amazing husband, Sean, for 18 years, and we have a daughter named Jade, who is a high school sophomore right now. Uh, My husband and I have had the honor of helping lead teen and campus ministries, as well as uh, small groups in churches in California, Texas, and North Carolina for, wow, many, many years. Wow. Well, that's exciting. I'm pretty sure that we'll hear some of those experiences kind of filter through to why you started uh, meditation and yoga. And in fact, when I think about it, people are like, well, how does yoga and the Bible go together? You know, you think about people standing doing their little twist and you're like, what's going on? <laughs> so, so how does this connect? Yeah. How did we get to meditation and yoga? Can you explain it a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So meditation and yoga, they are the Western world, you know, where, where we live in, believe for the most part that yoga is just a bunch of poses. 
right just a bunch of physical poses and all these pretty poses that you see on instagram and facebook and other social media platforms but that's actually just one eighth of what yoga really is yoga is so much more than just the poses and the poses are actually um there to help you help your physical body become comfortable you know to work out all the the kinks and the 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 tensions and things like that so that you can sit still in meditation. So the ultimate goal is to be able to be still in, you know, in a sitting position or even when you're lying down. So that's, so, so that's the purpose of the yoga poses. And, um, and the goal, the ultimate goal of yoga is to meet who you were created to be. The way God created you, you know, you're at your authentic self before you started putting baggage on yourself and before the world started putting baggage on you because we have we all have baggages on ourselves so through yoga the the poses and through meditation and through just self-awareness and and mindfulness and uh, several other things you're able to slowly just let go and just release the the baggages and the any any blockages that are preventing you from getting to that authentic self that God created you to be. It's interesting because as you say that, I actually kind of find it to be profound because I wouldn't associate slowing down to getting me to a place of understanding who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really profound. And can you kind of walk us through that a little bit more? Because I know this is a new way of thinking. And, and even mm-hmm. as you said, I'm like, really? That, that's what's going on? So what are some elements <laughs> that are happening so that, because I know for me, like people always tell me, Camille, you need to slow down. I'm like, no, but I get this done, this, 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 I don't got time to slow down. But so how yeah. can I begin to retrain my brain to think, oh, you know what, slowing down is helping me to find myself and be more in tune to who I am. Like, how do we start to retrain our brain to get that understanding and have that moment of reflection? Yeah, you know, I think uh, that's, that's a great question, Kamira. I think as we get older, we become more introspective, you know, because when you're younger, I mean, you, you see little kids running around and, and uh, you tell them, okay, little Timmy, just sit still for two seconds. They can't sit still, still for two seconds. You know, they just have this constant moving energy. And as we get older, we start to not just physically slow down, but also um, spiritually, we want more things. Because we start, I think part of it is that we get closer to that, uh, I don't know, end of life, uh, you know, more than when we were four, you know. Mm-hmm. So we start thinking about, you know, what is you know, what is my life? What is happening? What's the, what, what are the important things in life? So as we become more introspective, we need to train our bodies to become still because we can't, we can't grow in our self-awareness and awareness of God in our lives and his hand in our lives if we are not being still. You know, the Bible talks about how you're not going to hear God's voice in in the loudness and the thundering of the, the roaring, you know, you'll hear him when you're quiet and he'll come in a gentle whisper. Right. So in order to hear that gentle whisper, you have to become still. That's the only place that you can really live in that stillness, that present moment. When you're not still, you're constantly trying to 
live in the past, which creates regrets and um, depression. It can, you know, cause depression. Or you're trying to run towards or trying to live in the future, which you you can't because the future never comes. When the future comes, then it's the present, you know. And um, so when we're trying to grasp for for that future and trying to live in the future, it creates a lot of anxiety and it can create a lot of uh, self-doubt as well. So I don't know if that answered your question. Oh, no. Like, I I think that's really, I mean, that's exciting, actually, because, and I I know, again, because my character is I'm a doer and I'm going to work. And I even mm-hmm. know that when I was taking your class, because yes, ladies, I took her yoga class because mm-hmm. I can't tell you anything if I haven't gone through it. We talked about that before. So I took a yoga class and I would say it took a while for me to get my body to be still. But mm-hmm. at the end, I mean, I think we were there for about an hour, but at the end, I finally got a place where I was just like, huh? And it's true. Like it was a, there was a way that I was able to connect with God that I am not able to do when I'm doing all that running. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the end of the session, just feeling so refreshed. And I was just like, good. (laughs) But it's interesting because like, we think about resting as taking so much more effort. Right. Because you're like, Oh, I can't Mm -hmm. get this done. I can't get this done. Oh, then I'm going to be more backed up and da, 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 da. But it, it does. Like when you do it, wow, the level of clarity that you gain, the level of security that you gain with God does kind of propel you to get through those other things. Yes, absolutely. It's yeah. so true. And, you know, I mean, we, we read in the Bible how Jesus withdrew to lonely places. He woke mm-hmm. up early in the morning to pray, to have mm-hmm. his time with God, to his, with his father. And so if Jesus needed that time of stillness and praying and connecting with God that way, I mean, who are we to think that we, we wouldn't need that, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was actually having this conversation with someone yesterday or the day before about how so many times we see prayer as the very last resort. Mm -hmm. You know, we say, Mm -hmm. well, you know, I'm, I really want that job. And mm-hmm. so I researched and I, I applied and, and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm trying to see if I can get in, get my foot in somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then someone might say, well, have you prayed about it? And they're like, oh, well, yeah, you know what? I, yeah, I need, I'm just going to go pray about it now. So like, mm-hmm. well, if you started out with a prayer, I mean, what God can do is so much greater than anything that we can physically do. Because he's right. always working. He, he never rests. You know, he's, he is working even when we're sleeping. And mm. so for us to think, oh, we have to be on the go. We have to make things, you know, happen, and which prevents us from being still. When we're still, all we're doing is we're, we're recognizing, we're, well, we're connecting with God, and we're recognizing how powerful God truly is. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, as you were saying that, one of the things that came to my mind, even in your example with Jesus and him taking time to be still, here he is, God in body form. So theoretically, he didn't have to do all those things. And I tell people mm-hmm. all the time, like I, when I read the Bible, I'm thinking like if he got sick, all he had to do was just touch himself. He wouldn't be sick anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but yet, mm-hmm. 
he he does give us this example because he was in body form and because of that there was other things that he had to do to work with his body and to stay in communion with god and so uh, i remember a friend of mine bringing that to my attention as well that here is a deity if you want to come as such and yet he still needed that time of recuperation and rest so in that connection with God. So why do I think I'm going to be different? Right. And exactly. Yeah, but it's hard to think that sometimes because you're like, again, you're so focused on what needs to get accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so as, as I've been talking, because I get so excited when I learn new things. So you guys, you can hear my excitement. But um, I kind of jumped ahead a little bit. So I'm going to go back so that we can get to know Jenny a little bit better as well. And because uh, I know that the things that God has allowed her to experience has really uh, impacted other people because what you do with what he's given you, you go teach it to other people. So I want to take a step back, find out like what drew you to yoga meditation. I'm pretty sure a couple of things that we talked about already kind of was the inspiration, but I'll let you put it in your own words. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, like I mentioned, I, you know, I'm a yoga teacher, which means I've been practicing yoga for a while. I uh, started practicing yoga since around my, I don't know, 20, when I was 23 or 24. So that was a part of my life, off and on from my 20s until now. But when I joined the corporate world as a uh, business analyst, project manager, and a technical writer in a high-stress environment in Los Angeles, I found myself constantly stressed out, which caused me to have a lot of health issues. But the point I started to really become interested in meditation was when I was going through my yoga teacher training, where my teacher broke it down in a scientific manner. And I began to practice at home what I was learning in my yoga teacher training, but incorporating God's work. So instead of emptying myself to experience whatever happens, which is kind of the way, for lack of a better word, unbiblical meditation takes place. I started each meditation times by reading a short scripture, and then I would recite it internally during my pranayama practice. Uh, pranayama is um, Sanskrit for breath control. And Sanskrit is uh, another word for like ancient Indian language. So once my mind was still and this scripture I was reciting sort of infused itself with my state of stillness, I experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit within me. Hmm. I then would continue my communion with God, and this is where my nonverbal communication with God began. At the end of each meditation practice, I would take what I just experienced and compare it to God's word to make sure that it was biblical and that it wasn't something that my emotions or thoughts were making up because, you know, our minds are always coming up with these crazy thoughts or emotions that can sometimes contradict what the Bible says, you know? So, yeah. (laughs) I tend to have that problem quite frequently. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think uh, one of the things that you talked about, which I do want to highlight is the difference between uh, just Um, being still versus being still with scripture, um, being still with the intention of drawing closer to God. And um, Mm -hmm. 
when, now when you started that practice, when you was like, okay, let me, let me put a scripture in it first. Mm-hmm. Was it because you were trying to gain something in your insight with God? Like what made you connect the dots to put them together? Well, you know, in the, in the Bible, the word meditation and meditate is, is very present, oh. you know, but, but growing up, kind of, you know, and not growing up um, as a Christian because, you know, I became a Christian as a sophomore in college. But from that time on, I just, it's just one of those words that you would just kind of read over, meditate on God's word day and night. Okay, great. And then you just keep moving, but you don't like really stop to think about what that really means. Right. So for the longest time, I just, I just thought meditation was kind of contemplation where you just sit and you read a scripture and you just kind of sit back and go, huh, okay, what does that mean in my life? Okay, let me just journal my thoughts. Okay, there, I meditated. But that's actually, you know, what I learned through my yoga teacher training was not meditation. Meditation is more about experiencing, experiencing the experience. I know you didn't ask this question, but I do want to just address this because this is something that is constantly asked by many people. And part of it, because my book that I wrote last year that I also published last year, part of the title is biblical meditation. So people are like, so what's the difference between biblical and unbiblical meditation? Right. You know, I, I want to kind of talk about that for your listeners who are wondering what, yes. what's the difference. Yeah. So in my experience and training, what I came to believe that the steps prior to meditation, it's the same whether it's biblical or unbiblical. You need to first become still physically and mentally in both biblical and unbiblical meditation. Once you're able to get to that stillness, that's where the difference begins. So in an unbiblical meditation, your intention is to just empty your mind and experience whatever happens. However, in a biblical meditation practice, your intention is to practice becoming aware of the God-given spirit within you. You begin to experience an intimate communion with God through fully becoming still and fully becoming aware of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, intention, that word, intention is a very powerful thing. And I use, I always use this example because I'm a walk, because it works. So, you know, taking walking as an example, you can go on a prayer walk, praising God, praying for people, pouring your heart out to God, or you can walk towards someone with the intent of robbing them. Oh. You know, the walk, in, yeah, the walk itself isn't evil. It's the intent behind the walk that makes it of God or not of God. You know, so just like meditation, you can meditate um, with the intention of seeing your authentic self that, you know, that God created, you know, at, in the beginning of time, you know, when you were formed in your mother's womb that authentic self, or you can meditate to say, all right, I'm just going to empty my mind and just whatever happens, happens, which is, you know, and when I say unbiblical meditation, I think it could also sound like I'm saying like a, like a Satan worshiping or, or, you know, um, something like that. But I mean, and and I don't mean that at all. I, I definitely do respect people of, of many faiths. And I, I believe that my truth is the truth, of course. Otherwise, I wouldn't have the faith in that. But so when I say unbiblical meditation, I'm talking about, you know, meditation that is not kind of tied into the Bible or the scriptures. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, 
I, I liked what you shared in terms of when you are meditating in that context, in that biblical realm, that spiritual realm, that you become more connected with God's spirit. And I know that I've made the comments previously to you in various forms because I got excited because I saw or I can sense that union that you have with God via your spirit. And it's quite interesting because I know you guys, you, you haven't met me, you haven't seen her. So you're like, what are you talking about? And I'll try to simplify it. But one of the things that came out the most was your sense of security and confidence in God. And that you, you weren't afraid to talk about him. I think sometimes we can get afraid of, you know, we don't want to sound too religious. So we kind of mm-hmm. cut back some of our God conversation. Or we're on the other extreme where it's like we're still trying to figure out how he is in our lives and, and how he's still working because we're dealing with all this turmoil and pain. So it's kind of hard to see his presence. But when right. when I met you and when I, when I heard you speak and, and the, the scriptures that you were uh, sharing, it was very clear that you had a sense of peace and stillness in him and you knew who he was and therefore you knew who you are. And so yeah. in watching that, I was like, oh, this is pretty exciting. And, uh, <laughs> and, and thus I kept, you know, I was saying, oh, I just love your spirit. But, but that's why, because I, I, I saw that sense of, peace and confidence in him. And and I think um, as we're having this conversation, I know that we do all want to get to that place at some point because, you know, life has a tendency just to kind of like just choke us. But oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to be able to get to a place where there's a sense of security and despite what's going on around us, we're able to live and be at peace at how we're living. Yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. And I think earlier you mentioned that in a previous uh, podcast interview uh, that that the other person had mentioned that uh, you don't really know how to meditate. I think yes. you're getting there. I mean, I, I, you're definitely taking the right steps because I, by nature, am a very, very insecure person, very insecure. And, um, and it's you would never guess it. Used- <laughs> Well, well, I saw the complete opposite. That's, that's amazing. Well, <laughs> that, then that's God. That's God. And you it's know, working. I really believe that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, I um I believe with all my heart that that God used yoga and meditation to help me get there. You know, and I just mentioned it's a funny thing because I get a lot of pushback from, you know, a lot of Christians mm-hmm. and you know, for being for being quote unquote new agey, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> in in what I'm doing. And I've had I've had other Christians that I respect very much, you know, tell me what you're doing is not right. Mm. What you're doing is not of God. And hmm. so when you hear things like that, you either allow those words to just kind of make you kind of crumble inside or you say, okay, I respect what they're saying because they, you know, they mean well and they believe that, um, that it wouldn't help them. And if it, if they believe it won't help them, then they shouldn't do it. I know that for me, my yoga practice and my meditation practice has allowed me to experience my relationship with God in a way that I had never had before. Hmm. You know, I, um, I was, 
Yeah, I was in my early 20s. You know, like I said before, when I started practicing yoga and when I started going to yoga studios, I mean, my first yoga experience was through a, a DVD, just like so many people, you know, and then, and then I started visit some of the yoga studios nearby and I grew up in Los Angeles so there are plenty of yoga studios you know I really felt conflicted because you know being that I was already a Christian at that time I you know I had heard some people say that yoga was a Hindu practice and that Mm -hmm. it would go against my Christian faith but I knew that you know after each yoga class the way I felt physically emotionally mentally and spiritually it just made me want to continue practicing because I felt calmer more mm-hmm. present and I felt like my soul was able to be still to recognize God's hand in my life I saw God more in my life mm-hmm. that way so fast forward about 12 years ago I had this desire to become a yoga teacher and I had been teaching group fitness classes uh, since 1995 so adding yoga to my repertoire it was more like, you know, oh, that would be a good business decision. So I started praying that God would make it clear as to whether or not I should pursue this because, you know, I was still conflicted in my mind. So in the beginning of 2013, God led me to this this 200-hour yoga teacher training that I signed up for. And I told God that if at any point I felt like the teacher training was causing me to struggle in my faith, that I would drop Mm -hmm. out. Mm Well, on the first day of my yoga teacher training, and I actually talk about this in my book, so I don't want to, you know, just go on and on, but just a shortened version. So uh, on my first day of my yoga teacher training, my teacher, who did not claim to have a specific religious faith, she said, if your yoga practice doesn't get you closer to God, you need to find a different practice. <laughs> and it just, uh, that statement really just intrigued me. And It also served as a confirmation that I was supposed to be in that particular yoga teacher training. Mm -hmm. And, and so throughout the teacher training, I learned more, I learned more about just how amazing God is and how complex he has created our bodies, not just physically, but energetically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, so many ways. But going back to, you know, my, my security in Christ and, and kind of dealing or experiencing pushback from other Christians, well, you know, well-intentioned Christians. So the goal of yoga, you know, like I said before, is to meet the person that you were created to be before we started accumulating baggage put on us by the world and, you know, our own selves. So this authentic self, it's, it's within all of us. But because we get so distracted by everything in this world, you know, including the baggage that I just mentioned, uh, we need help to let go of all the distractions. And this is where yoga comes in. And what's interesting is that yoga is not a religion. In fact, some of the most well-known and well-respected yoga teachers, such as David Frawley and um, Gary Craftso, who was actually a student of the late Krishnamacharya. Krishnamacharya is, is uh, one of the the, the greater uh, or great uh, yoga teachers, have stated that yoga is not a religion, and that it is actually a tool available to anyone in any religion to help enhance their faith. Hmm. So when I realized that, or when I saw that, wow, yoga is not a religion like I thought it was. It's, it's a tool. God has given us this tool, just like walking, and you can use it for whatever intention you set. Hmm. And it just opened up a world that 
I didn't even, I, I can't even put into words how multidimensional it feels when you, when you worship and commune with God in that way. So, you know, so once I experienced that, the more I felt like, you know, I just definitely respect people that feel strongly about what I'm doing is wrong kind of thing, but I feel strongly and I have experienced that this is helping me get closer to God and really experience that security in Christ that I didn't know I can really tap into. Mm. It's like, you know, when you're a Christian and somebody tells you, are you really a Christian? We don't really have to doubt ourselves. We're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Right. And they say, oh, yeah, whatever. Oh, you're like, okay, well, you believe what you want to believe, but I know who I am. I know who I am and I know whose I am. You know, <sighs> so once you have that confidence, it really doesn't matter what people say. You respect them, but you say thank you and uh, peace be to you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you've, you've shared a lot that I want to touch on, but I noticed that we're running out of time for this episode, but uh, I have more questions as well as I do want Jenny to give us some tips on how that we can put this into practice and some techniques. So Jenny, will you come back so we can pound you a little bit more and get more information out of you and so that we can continue to learn how to connect with God in this way? Oh, absolutely. I would love that. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Okay, you guys, come back next week. We're going to have a great time uh, asking Jenny some more questions and giving you guys some tips on how to do this for yourselves. See you next time.